Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. So today is a little bit a different format today. We call it Share Your Share Your Story Sunday. So we have uh, people that are going to come and they're going to tell their faith story. So if you are part of that team, would you please come to the stage, take your seat on the stage? Would you welcome our Share Your Story folks as they come to the stage this morning? Amen. Amen. So, now, let me say, it takes a lot of courage to do this, okay, to be a little transparent, tell about your faith story and all of that, and some of you have done this before, and let me say to you, like, uh, when, when you get to the share your story stage, you are not announcing spiritual perfection for your life, okay, so we're just walking through our faith journey, we're just telling our stories, uh, uh, what happened, you know, kind of in our in our lives. So uh, we're going to just take a few moments. We're going to hear their faith story this morning, and I'll kind of introduce them as it is uh, their time. So we're going to start with Colin. So uh, Colin is one of our FSU students, so we're glad to have you this morning. Uh, yep, go Knowles. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I figured that would make it in somewhere. about yourself where are you where are you from originally all right so i'm from a uh, crestview florida about two and a half hours away if uh, nobody knows where that is okay yeah. and t- tell us kind of your family how are you raised and oh yeah um my family um kid of two married parents still praise god um been married for almost 40 years now um yeah um so i kind of uh uh see i grew up in the church kind of hopped around a little bit we change churches maybe every once uh, one or two years but um mostly mostly attending uh southern baptist churches over in my in my hometown yeah um when, when was it colin um your, that your journey to christ kind of started you you're, you're raised in church but you know there was a point that mm-hmm. that you got a little more serious about your faith yeah so i i guess i always believed in god you know it was always like a mental ascent like yeah i know god's up there i believe in all of this uh like, God created the world, God loves me, Jesus died for me, all of that stuff. But it was always just kind of, like, mental knowledge. Um, always kind of, uh, when I was a kid, lived for lived for myself. You know, I believed in God, you know, kind of for uh, fire insurance, if if not anything else. But, um, yeah. <laughs> but um, that all started to change uh, whenever I got into high school. It began with um, one of uh, my student leaders within the, the band over there inviting me to, to his church, and I was like, well, I have nothing better to do on a Wednesday night, and I'm kind of bored right now, so I guess I'll go. Um, and so I ended up going there and feeling like uh, truly welcome into the church, like I actually had a, had a place to fit in and belong. So that's where I started attending regularly, but not a lot changed. Like, I started to grow a little bit in my, in my faith. is like I'm, I got a little bit more serious about what I believe, but it was still mostly just me living for myself out there. Um, trying to still like trying to do what god wanted me to do but also like out of belief that you know yeah this is what i want to do more so than what god wants me to do but you had an unusual kind of experience (laughs) that the light bulb of faith kind of went on tell tell us about yeah and yeah so i talked a little bit about this last sunday in um the young adults group but um when God really became real for me, when I actually decided to give my life fully to Jesus, was uh, I was actually sitting in French class. Um, <laughs> did somebody laugh? That's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah it's, nobody it's ever little... comes to Christ in a French class, I promise. Yeah. So listen to this story. So oh, uh, I know it's weird. So yeah, <laughs> just um, so part of part of what we we did in my French class was review uh, French literature. You know, kind of get to know the culture, whatnot, learn the people behind the language. And so the book that my that my teacher chose for us to study was um, actually Les Misérables. Um, and so, for those of you who haven't read that book, it's actually about a, uh, a criminal. His name is Jean Valjean, who is like a um, you know, selfish guy. He spent like Let 20. Let me stop here. How many of you are familiar with Les Mis? 
Jean Valjean, okay, all right. Yeah. Some of you, you're about to learn this story, so go oh, ahead. Yeah. yeah, and so it centers around a guy who, who spent about 20 years in prison, because, um, and by the time that he left, he was a totally broken man who really cold towards humans, towards everybody, cold towards God, and um, kind of just was out living for himself. And, you know, sounds familiar, right? Um, until he encountered, uh, he was looking for a place to stay in a, a French bishop, decided to take him in and give him a, give him a place to stay. Uh, during the night, uh, the French bishop owned some, some precious uh, silverware, um, made of pure silver, and uh, John decided to steal that because why not? It's expensive, and uh, he, needed, he needed money. Um, and so after he eventually got caught and was taken back to the bishop, um, and when confronted by the police, the law official, um, in hand with Jean, the French bishop actually lied and said that he gave him the silverware. Um, and so it was like the first moment that Jean had ever like experienced a moment of grace in his life from a true Christian. And it sort of, it really changed him and how he viewed God. And so he goes from being a selfish person who just lived entirely for himself to a prospering <laughs> businessman who gave away millions of dollars and did everything he could to, to help his community. How did, how did that speak yeah. to you? What did that say to you? I was looking at, thinking about my life, and when I saw that, I was just like, man, that's, that's something that's never occurred in my life. I've never, like, I've always just lived for myself, what I want to do. Um, I've really only cared about myself. And so that was just like a light bulb moment that, because I was totally blind to it until I saw that transformation. I was like, God, I've never had that in my life, but I want it. I want it. So I was like, in, sitting in my my third period French class, I was like, Jesus, forgive me for the way that I've lived. Because I want that in my life. And, and you know what? God supplied that and totally changed my life. That's an unbelievable story. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I want to remind those of you that are praying for people that God can use unusual things to get people's attention. Okay? God can use different things in people's lives, and you are praying sometimes, and maybe you don't see the movement that you need, but you never know how God is speaking. When he told me that story, I had made him repeat it. I'm like, are you serious? I went to Les Miserables in, the, in Broadway and was bored to tears with it. <laughs> but he and I are on different spiritual levels. That's very, very true. So, uh, Colin, uh, wow, great story of, of God's grace and just that, that moment of grace that came to your life. Yeah, it was, it was great. Um, I mean, at that much, the Lord freed me some, from so much. Like, I struggled with depression and anxiety all throughout high school. Um, I still struggle with at least a little bit of anxiety to this day, but God, my life is so much better with Jesus in it. He's freed me from so mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Um, so uh, you just mentioned you uh, earlier in your life, you struggled with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Kind of, how, is, how are you doing, number one? And what would you say to people out there today that are kind of walking through that same thing? Oh, yeah. So today I'm doing a lot better. Um, and thankfully, God has put people in my life that have made me more uh, a lot more aware of what I get anxious about, and so it makes it a lot easier for me to surrender that over to the Lord. And um, I guess if I would have the three things to say to anybody who's currently struggling with that, first of all, there's no need to feel any shame about it, because um, <laughs> you're not alone. Yeah. Um, even We have many uh, great biblical examples of people who struggle with the, the same kind of stuff, you know, David, Jeremiah, Elijah, um, all people. And so I would just encourage you to walk that out with the Lord, whatever it looks like. Um, uh, the second thing I would say is to talk with somebody because um, that's been something transformative in my life, you know, being able to talk with the other people. And they, they just bring a lot of awareness and a new perspective to the situation that you might be missing just because you always look at things just from your point of view. And um, it's certainly helped me identify areas in my life that I could either seek help or surrender to the Lord, something that I'm not, uh, that I'm not turning over. And um. I would say third, uh, I, I would, uh, I can't lie and say that I did this all without medication. I was definitely on a, <coughs> uh, I was on a mild anti uh, antidepressant for a little bit of my anxiety throughout high school and that it was so much easier to learn how to deal with it whenever it was like mild anxiety and 
compared to just bearing all the weight of it on my own. And God really moved whenever I was on my medications to that. I learned healthy coping mechanisms, and eventually I've I'm, I'm been medication-free for about two years now, praise God. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And, um, so I'm not I'm not up here trying to get you guys to go on uh, on Zoloft or anything, but just <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, even just like a, a mild little pill, not not habit forming or anything, can make a, a whole lot of difference and certainly make life easier to the point where you can learn to deal with the brunt of it all on your own and with and with your walk with the Lord. That's good. I want to say too, if you find yourself in that place and you are on those kind of medications, I don't want you to feel any shame at all. Okay, there's no, no, no. embarrassment. I don't. You don't have to hide that. We are a church family. We walk through these things together, and we pay attention to medicine. We also pay attention to faith as well. But there's never any kind of shame that you would ever need to feel if you're if you're using that. So, Colin. Uh, so you graduated from college. You're uh, working on your PhD. What is what you're working on your PhD in? Uh, so my PhD is in biomedical engineering. Biomedical engineering. So if you need any after-hours tutoring for your uh, students, I'll we'll oh, put... Oh, yeah, yeah. I love tutoring. It's hey, actually, yeah. We'll yeah. put Colin's number up on the screen. And, oh, uh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> I'm uh, talking to me. Colin, uh, so some, sometimes uh, people who are in the sciences and they're deep in academics, uh, you know, they... Uh, have trouble with issues of faith, but you are a person of science, you're a person of intellect, but you are a strong follower of Jesus, the inerrancy of Scripture, the Holy Spirit. How do you, intellectually, how do you find space in your mind and your heart to be a scientist, but also a follower of Jesus? You, you kind of give it, that's a dangerous question to ask with only eight minutes up here. I could talk about this for, <laughs> yeah, you're for hours. You're good. But, um, I view science and religion as answering two fundamentally different questions. Science, in my mind, answers uh, questions about how the universe works, and uh, religion answers questions about why the universe is the way that it is. And so, um, ultimately, I view the Bible as a book solely written about God. To view it as anything, to view it as something trying to make a scientific statement, it would be to entirely miss the point, right. because it's a book about God, which is far more important than anything in our, our, our scientific understanding. Um, and then I also, I do believe in the inerrancy in scripture, um, maybe not necessarily my interpretation of scripture. It's like, there's a lot of room for leniency within Genesis. My faith lies in that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the right. earth. Right. Um, and now I'm not going to sit here and say that the rest of it is entirely untrue. But I mean, perhaps, you know, we, uh, there's several different theories about why it happened, but you know, gap theory, maybe, you know, the Lord says that, or Peter says that a thousand years with the Lord is like a day and a day a thousand years. So maybe it's, there's a lot of room for interpretation, but ultimately I believe my faith is in God for that. And so perhaps God created through evolution. Perhaps he created the earth with a bunch of fossils there for, um, to, I, I couldn't understand, couldn't tell you why he would do that, but uh, it wouldn't be the first time God did something a little confusing to humankind. Um, yeah. yeah, but um, yeah, that's my faith is in Jesus Christ and and what He did, and so everything that. So a person that. that comes from science, uh, there's there's space to believe in God. Oh yeah, definitely. I, know, I think a lot of my all of my uh, the people that I uh, a lot of other different PhDs are actually very religious as well. Um, a lot of a lot of Muslims, a lot of a lot of Christians as well. Praise God! But um, there's definitely room to believe in God and also be be. Uh, within the scientific community. Amen. Well, Colin, thank you uh, for sharing your story. You can take a deep breath now. <laughs> Give it up for Colin this morning. Share. Share your next. So, share. Thanks for sharing your story with us this morning. So, Share's kind of new to our church family in the last couple of uh, months. We're so glad that you're here. So, where are you from originally? Uh, Northern Indiana, South Bend area. Okay, all right. I told her you're going to love Tallahassee winters. You're going to love them. She's from the cold north. So yes, vast difference. <laughs> Take a moment. Tell us kind of about your life as you're kind of being being raised in your your formative years, your family life. Okay, I was um, born in South Bend. Uh, first six weeks of life, I was in an orphanage. My parents adopted me, brought me home Christmas Eve. Um, Pull that down just a little bit. Yeah, there you go, so we can hear you. Yeah. Um, 
I have a brother that was also adopted. He's 15, I'm sorry, 22 months older. My parents are still married. They're 63 years into marriage. Um, we had a rough life growing up with my parents bickering and fighting. We thought that they would divorce, but now they're a, the epitome of a great marriage. Good. Were, were you raised in church? Do you have a religious background? Yes, we we went to church every Sunday, but not necessarily lived it throughout the week, but we would go every Sunday. Yeah. So, so you've got this, this uh, background of faith in your life. Uh, 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 nobody has a perfect home life, but you guys were finding your pathway forward. So you get 18 and things started happening in your life and changing. Tell us about that season of your life. Um, I was quite the, for better terms, brat growing up. I caused a lot of grief for my parents, unfortunately. And as soon as I hit 18, I, was, I hit the door. I was out. Um, I get in, got into the partying scene, uh, drugs, alcohol. Never had an a, uh, addiction, but I enjoyed it. And um, went through bad relationships. I was in a marriage for eight years that was mentally, physically, and emotionally abusive. And um, God has saved me from that. Yeah. What, like, like what was the depth of your addiction? You, you said it was, maybe wasn't every day, but, like, what was, like, pills? Or what, how, how deep in that were you? Um, I did cocaine. I smoked um, pot. Um, I did acid a few times, opium, yeah. opium. I forget what it's even called now. Yeah. Um, I never shot up or anything, yeah. and I wasn't addicted. It was just more like... A social, social thing yeah. on weekends. Yeah. So this started somewhere around 18, and how long did this phase, kind of this season last in your life? Um, until I was probably 24. Okay. Probably about the time I met my current husband. Okay, so uh, abusive relationships, broken marriage, you got some addiction in your life, and uh, how old are you at that point? Um, tw 24. Well, my husband was I was 32. Okay, all right. So quite a good season of just some uh, tough, you know, tough things going on in your life. So tell us kind of about your journey to faith. How did that happen to you, your journey to Jesus? Um, my husband and I, um, we went to the pastor at my parents' church and asked him to marry us. And Was he, was he going to church at the time? No, he okay. was not. Um, he was raised in a home where they went to church and occasionally, but they, they didn't go every Sunday or anything, more like for holidays and things. Um, and then when we went to the pastor to get married, we had only been together a few months, and he said that normally he doesn't do it, but he feels something about us, and that they were starting a marriage class, and that if we would go to it, we would commit to go to it, then he would agree to marry us. So we went to the class, and my husband, he's the one that said, hey, why don't we just go to church? We're here. Let's go to church. And we just started going ever since. Yeah, that's great. Um, I, like, <clears throat> so there was, you're in church. There was just kind of this slow walk back to the Lord, you know, in your life. Was there kind of a moment or a season that maybe the light bulb went on in your life, and you're like, hey, uh, this is more... Uh, than just maybe church attendance on Sunday? Um, just by, I don't know, just all the blessings yeah. that started happening in our lives. I, and I don't know, it's just the feeling. Right. It was, I was back to my, my roots. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us, uh, you guys have been married how long? 23 years. 23 years. Yeah. And tell us a little bit, we heard a little bit about your life before Tell us about your life now, years after Grace and Jesus. Um, it, it's been amazing. The, the change has just been amazing. The, the blessings just keep coming. Our son is a blessing, and we had tried for over 20 years to get pregnant, and he was our second in vitro attempt. 
we always wanted a football team, but they're in heaven. We have 15 babies in heaven waiting on us. Yeah. Yeah. And, and your husband, he's still up north. Tell him kind of what's, what's going on with you guys now. So. Um, yeah, he's still up north um, taking care of our business and our property up north until we can get the business and property sold or managed and then he will be down here with yeah. Roman and I. Yeah. Um, Cher, also, you've had, like, some chronic long-term kind of physical issues. Can you tell us just a little bit about what you kind of walk through now? Um, I was born with um, a disease called Cartagena's syndrome, and um, I almost died at, at birth. At three weeks, I was flown out to Chicago to Children's Hospital where there was small enough instruments to see what was wrong in my lungs. And um, with the Cartagena syndrome, it caused other things. Um, I have situs inversus, which means my insides are the complete mirror image of someone else. So my your heart's on the organs rise. Yes. are swapped. My heart's okay. on the rise. Everything is just switched. Hold that mic up, too. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> um, and then also with the Cartagena's, it caused bronchiectasis, which is scarring and deterioration of the lungs, which led to um, infertility. That's why I went through IVF. And in 2017, I got a double lung transplant. Lung transplant. Wow. Wow. So uh, this is something that you've lived with for a long time. It's something that you kind of walk through uh, right now. So what would you say to someone who are who are dealing with kind of chronic health issues and uh, just what would, what would you say to encourage them? Just never give up on God. He, he is faithful of us. He is our almighty physician. He, he wants the best for us, and we just need to lean into him and, and not blame him, but, but embrace him and, and thank him yeah. for what he's already done, even though you, we don't see it. Yeah. He's already got it worked out. Yeah, yeah. And, and also, just uh, if there are maybe a couple that it's maybe struggling with infertility issues, what would you, what would you say to them? You've kind of walked that journey a, a long time. What, what would you say to them this morning? Again, don't, just don't give up. God gives us the desires of our hearts. So just remain strong and, and again, lean into him. Yeah, that's great. Share. Thank you so much for sharing your story this morning. So, Chris, amen. This is Chris. Thanks for sharing your story this morning. No problem. All right. So, Chris, where, where are you from originally? Uh, I was born in St. Louis, Missouri. Moved um, when I was just a baby to Memphis, Tennessee. My mom took me away from my father that I didn't know for a very long time, you know, until I was older. So I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, for the most part. Um, didn't even know where I was born until, you know, I got older. Sure. Um, tell, tell us a little bit about your family life. Yeah, so I grew up. As you're growing I, up. I grew up, um, I got popped a lot, you know, smacked around, soap in the mouth, you know, stuff like that. So I rebelled, you know. My parents uh, were 16. My mom was 16 and my dad was 17. So it was like kids raising kids, you know. So growing up there was a lot of uh i would say mental and physical abuse and it's not their fault you know i rebelled you know and it caused me to act out and act out and act out and act out um were, were you guys in church at all we, did you have any exposure to the gospel or church at all not really you know there wasn't too much i knew of god we'd go to you know um catholic church every once in a while with my nana and papa on holidays this mm -hmm. and that and you know i i never really you know i knew of god i accepted god you know but I rebelled hard. So he was always there. It's like a best friend that's always been yeah. by your side that you can't see, but he's always been there yeah. for you. You can always feel him. And I just grew up with like that, you know. He's there, oh well, sure. you know. So you're uh, 15, 16, sometime in your life, your parents call you in a room and they give you a, a, a tell yeah, so, you something so that caught you off guard. So, so it was so dysfunctional that everything got so out of control that I just hated everybody, you know. I didn't care anymore. Um, they called me in the room, and they told me I could go live with my real father, you know, who I was still calling Todd at the time, you know. I didn't call you, him dad. You we didn't had know no he was connection. your real father. Right, right, okay. right. For a long time, yeah. So I went to move with him when I was, I think, 16, and I moved down did, there. Let me, let me ask you, did they 
uh, was that your choice or did they want you to kind of go go uh, it was either I go move with my dad or I go to boot camp or military okay. school or okay. something like that and of course I was like screw that yeah you know yeah. I'm going to live with my dad and do what yeah. I want sure you know sure so I moved down there you know um probably lived with him I don't even think it was a year maybe six months I don't know how long it was it was it wasn't very long until I met a girl and I'm sure she really doesn't want to hear this but anyways her <laughs> name was her name was Danielle and we moved in you know everything was fine at first and uh then I met her older sister. Her sister was on drugs, you know, we were all living together. And she offered me something one night and she said, it's Molly, you know, MDMA, you know, we, we took a little pill, crushed it up, snorted it and kept doing it nights and nights and nights in a row. Turns out it wasn't Molly, it was, uh, you know, Oxycontin. So therefore I'm hooked to opiates, you know. This was within a year of moving in with her, you know, first year. We were together a total of eight years before everything just turned into really bad and we'll get into that so but, so you you've got a just a lifestyle for years of just heavy hard drugs and addiction is that correct very 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 hard you know snorting it for years and then turned to shooting up which turned to od and you know i probably od'd more than i know of at least 12 times that i've mm -hmm. overdosed yeah. and you know been flat like by no means should i be here today yeah. by no means so uh but part of this lifestyle as as well is there usually run-ins with the law? So oh, yeah, that yeah, happened yeah, as yeah. well? Yeah, you're hiding in the forest, running from canines, getting bit, you know, tackled, running. You know, this one time I was on my way taking her mom to work one day, um, and uh, I was dope sick. I was really dope sick. And her mom went in, and, you know, she was doing dope too. The whole family was doing dope after a couple of years, okay? So she went in. She stole 40 bucks out of the drawer from work, gave it to us. I'm so sick, man. I'm shaking. I just want to get my fix. I pull out in an intersection, you know, I'm making a left turn, you know, I'm supposed to yield. I didn't yield. Driving a stick shift, uh, I don't even, Chevrolet, Cobra, so I don't even know what it is. Anyways, so I hit him, and the car stalls, and I don't even know what to do. I'm sick, I'm not in my right mind, I'm scared, I'm freaking out. What do I do? I start the car buck up, and I punch it, man. I've got this whole county, the sheriff, i probably got 20 cars behind me, I'm, I'm taking turns, I get the car up on two wheels, man. And I get all the way back to her mom's job because I didn't want the car to get towed. You know, that's all I was worried about, getting the car back to them because it's the only car they got. And so I get back in the parking lot. They drag me out of the car. There's needles all over the place because I was driving so erratic. It was just crazy, you know. They take me out. They took her out. They handcuff us. They throw us in the back and off to jail we go. That was the first time. Yeah. That was but, the first but, time. But, Chris, this what, tell us about your turn toward faith and God. It involved one of your arrests so, as well. So all this stuff, you know, I've been locked up many years in jail altogether. And every time you go in, there's always that Bible. You pick up that Bible, okay? And you get close. You get back out. You know, you do the right thing for a little while. You go back in. You pick the Bible back up. You go back in. You pick the Bible back up. It's like he's right there, and he's just nudging you a little bit every time and every time and every time. Because, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to accept it. I didn't care. All I wanted to do was what I wanted to do and just have it my way. And he just kept nudging me, and he nudged me, and he nudged me. And then I got sentenced, and the judge let me, you know, come do my probation down here and go to Teen Challenge. And when I got to Teen Challenge, you know, so I was in, in stuck. Tallahassee. In Tallahassee. So, okay. Yep. All right. So, so I went from uh, St. Louis, St. Peter's, Missouri, to Tallahassee. The, they flew me down here on a plane and um, took me to Teen Challenge. So tell us, tell us about <clears throat> your time in Teen Challenge. We're all very familiar. We've got graduates from Teen Challenge that were here. You. They were here a few weeks ago themselves. Tell us kind of how faith emerged in your life and the Lord and your time in Teen Challenge. It was rough. When I first got there, they've got so many rules. You know, it's, it's, it's not an easy program to get through. They push you, you know. If you mess up, there's, 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 um, you got to write the Bible. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I wanted to leave, man. I wanted to leave so many times. I couldn't leave, though. So, you know, I finally made it through it, you know, and through the whole time in Teen Challenge, there was numerous times, you know, going out on Sundays, going to church, going to explore, like all the different churches in Tallahassee we would go to. We would do rallies, you know, and I liked that, you know, and I came closer to God in those times. And then when I got out of Teen Challenge, I moved into Oxford House, which is another, like, faith-based, um, faith-based, like, sober living. So you, but you had been in Teen Challenge a while. God had done you? something in your life. How many years were you in Teen Challenge? About a year about a year, yep. and then you kind of worked yourself up into leadership uh, yep. as well as one of their leaders. So he's at a halfway house kind of, for lack of a better term, at that at that point. And you, you, you got your, your life on track spiritually at that point. You, you were sober at that point. Yeah, for the most part, I, I was, my life was on track. You know, I still wasn't perfect, but, you know, I was, I was getting in the right direction. 
Great, great. Tell us how you met Kaylee. Well, I was the president of one of the men's Oxford houses, um, and we were going over to the women's Oxford house because they had some new ladies going in. We were going over, like, the house meeting and, like, how everything goes, how many AA meetings and NA meetings you got to go to and this and that. And I walked in, and I met Kaylee. You know, she was one of the new girls. And um, we went ahead. We did the house meeting, and we were talking and stuff. And, you know, I went home that night, went back again, and, you know, I got her number. She started telling me about her life and her story and this and that. And I'm like, man, do I really want to do this? I, you know, I didn't really, you know, I didn't know at first. And then she told me more and more about herself and her story and then Logan and then this and that. Man, I just fell in love with her. Sure. You know, more and more every day. All right. So we're going to bring the romance in here in just a moment. So, uh, but Chris, you've, you did a lot of hard drugs. You've had addictions for a lot of your life. What would you say to someone that's out there today that goes, I can never change. This is part of my life. It's who I, it's who I am. It's my DNA. It's my family. It's all I've ever known. And they feel hopeless today. What would you, what would you say to them? I've been more than hopeless before. I've been at the bottom of the bottom of the bottom where you can't get no lower, you know, you know, after you OD so many times, you know, it's just like, you don't care anymore. And, and it doesn't have to be like that. Don't fight it. Yeah. Just accept it. Accept the Lord. Let him lead you. Yeah. Talk to me if you need to. I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if anybody in this room is going through that, but you guys may know people, you know? Yeah. And if yeah. anybody needs to talk, I'm here. You guys can have my number, yeah. whatever. I'm all for saving a life, you know? Yeah. It's not worth it. Yeah, amen, amen. I want to say, yeah, let's give, give it up for Chris. That's great. It's great. Um, if you're online or you're watching, too, I, I want you to come see Chris. If you feel hopeless, like, I can never change. I, I give up. This is who I am, and it's what I am. I'm telling you, number one, that's a lie, okay? You are who God says you are, and you are his child, and you are not stuck in a hopeless situation, but you got to reach out to the Lord and uh, see, uh, talk, to, talk to Chris after church or another time that you see him. So, Kaylee, all right, so we're going to uh, kind of start your story here. Where, where are you from originally? <laughs> I'm from Massachusetts originally. Um, I moved to Tennessee. My mom and dad got arrested, and they separated, so I moved to Tennessee. Eventually, my dad got out of prison. I went through a, a lot of abuse at a young age. Um, and then finally, I came to live with my mom, and that's when I came to Tallahassee. Yeah, okay. So tough, tough beginnings, uh, parents in prison, that, that kind of thing, uh, kind of a kind of tough, unusual life. But like in the midst of that, probably when you're about 13, you start to uh, experience some things in, in your own life. Uh, what, tell them about that part of your life. I'd say probably around the age of 13, um, the abuse was really starting to, it hit me emotionally. Uh, I started to do a lot of drugs. I was getting arrested at 13. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm really nervous. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. There were, there were uh, you told me too, there were times of self-harm as well. And I tried to kill myself probably two, three times. Um, Just a lot to deal with when you are, you know, when you're that, you know, that age. Uh, and then it kind of led to that, that beginning at 13 kind of led to a longer season of addictions in your life. Um, yeah, I started probably using different drugs at 13, experiencing with different stuff, going, going wild for a long time. Yeah. Um, I got pregnant when I was 18. Yeah. Still took me a while to get my stuff together. Yeah, yeah. So, um, really, really tough season. I want to, I want to just say this. <clears throat> if you come out of a home that that your parents are together and you went to church and you kind of had some normal upbringing, you need to thank God. Okay, you need to thank God. You you do. Uh, not not everybody kind of had that, and they start out with difficulties in their life as well. But sometimes we do not appreciate kind of what we had. We look at the imperfections of a perfect, you know, the things that were perfect. Uh, but but Kaylee, um, so man, you've gone through a season of heavy addiction, got pregnant, 
uh, in, in kind of in trouble with the law, you're arrested, you try to take your life uh, a couple of times. I, I want to say, too, like, uh, Kaylee's not a stranger here. She was kind of a- attending church here from time to time, so we've known Kaylee, uh, Kaylee for a while. Tell us, like, what, what was kind of your turn toward the Lord in, in faith? I'd say probably since I was 15. Um, I think I've had a calling to pretty much do exactly what I'm doing right now, even though I'm totally terrified. <laughs> it's all good. Um, it's all good. I've been in a church, in and out of church a lot. Mainly the most times that I wanted to come to church was probably when I was worst in my addiction. Yeah. And I just, I came. Yeah. Well, was there a moment where the light bulb just kind of came on to you, kind of in your own faith, that God said, hey, I'm here, I'm here for you. You may have some stuff going on, but I want you to know I love you and I care about you. <laughs> I'd say probably since I first came to Tallahassee, I've seen God work in some mysterious ways. Um, my mom's came out of something that I don't think she ever could. I've came out of something. I've watched people come out of the darkest places. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you, you kind of maybe renewed, renewed your faith in the Lord, and you're, you're in uh, one of the rehab houses uh, trying to kind of get yourself clean all of a sudden you see Chris you guys meet you know at one of the most difficult times of your life probably you both didn't need a relationship at that point but who can stop love right who can stop love uh, so you you meet Chris and you guys start talking together where did he take you on your first date probably Applebee's 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 Watch those guys at the first dates at Applebee's. Okay. No, that's, that's great. And um, Kaylee, I want to I ask you as well, you know, what would you say to someone maybe who's come out of a tough home life like you, gone through some addictions, maybe someone's got a similar story or background to you, what would you say to them this morning about just to, to encourage them? It's hard. And I can't say it's ever going to be easy, but it it definitely helps to have God and people that you love by your side. Yeah, that's great. So give us a little fast forward. Tell us about your life now. Well, what's you guys, your jobs, what's what's going on in your life? Let's talk a little bit about uh, the after. Um, I mean, post-addiction, since pretty much since I met Chris almost, I, I have custody of my son back. Um. I've maintained a steady job. Yeah. She, she said are... she's kept a steady job there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm an assistant manager at Dunkin' Donuts, and I've been there the whole entire time since I got out of rehab. Which Dunkin'? Uh, the one on Thomasville Road. All right. Let's go visit her sometime. <laughs> and tip well. Tip well. That's great, Kaylee. That's great. Um, first, I, I, a couple of things. I... I want to celebrate, and we need to do this as a church. They've both been sober for about three years, okay? Been clean. We need to celebrate that. We are proud of you. Thank you. We are proud of you. I want you to know that. There, there are a lot of people in the church who walk difficult paths that I am proud of, but I want to say I'm as proud of you guys as anyone just hearing your story and seeing where you've come from. And uh, what we want you to know as a church family, we are your family. And we are so proud of you and that we are praying for you. And the chapter that God is writing is not the final chapter. There's some other things that God has in store for you. Chris, uh, a couple weeks ago, you sent me a message. Uh, Tell them maybe a little about that message and why, why you sent it to me. So me and Kaylee have uh, been interested in like helping the homeless out for like a long time since we met and we haven't really been able to do it, you know, because of funds and stuff, but I just recently got a raise at work. Um, we've been sending emails to do street hope. Um, not trying to talk on the battle on the pastor, but nobody's got back to us about street hope for a while. And you know, we really, we really want to do that. And I feel like every Sunday, everybody's up here like, join this, join this, join this. So on Thanksgiving, um, we wanted to do it so bad, we just cooked extra food, and we went out, and we uh, went to Dollar General, and went to the dollar section, and got toothpaste, and toothbrushes, and deodorant, and insect wipes, and this and that, and bandages, and you know, we put together five bags, and we and we put together uh, 10 trays of uh, Thanksgiving food, and we went out, and we fed the homeless ourselves, you know, and it felt so good. There you go. And, uh, there you go. 
we sat down and we talked to him for a second and one of the guys said and this is what made it all worth it he said i knew it would happen yeah you know yeah. that that right there made it worth it yeah, yeah. We, we just want you to know how proud we are of you guys you've come a long way but god's got something great in store for you yeah. guys can you give it up for chris and kaylee this morning all right Come on up here, Donna. Come center stage. Last, but certainly not least. Okay. He knew how absolutely scared to death I was, and so he put me last behind all these <laughs> awesome speakers. <laughs> all right. So this is uh, Donna Cannon. Donna, where are you from originally? I am from the blessed state of Texas. The blessed state of Texas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Grand Prairie, which is a little city right in between Dallas and Fort Worth. Okay. And born and raised there my whole life. Okay. So tell us, tell us a little bit about your family life as you were being raised, kind of coming of age. When I was very, very young, I was two and my brother was five or six months old. My father passed away very suddenly and left my mother as a widow. And so she raised us for about three years on her own. And then the Lord sent us who became my dad. Right the sweetest, godliest man you would ever want to meet. And we were raised, in fact, Robert and I were both raised in an Assembly of God church. And I, th I always thought I was probably like born on the pew, but <laughs> probably not, but it seemed like, like that that's what it was. And we were always very, very big participants in everything. Yeah, and we uh, just were active in every aspect. But you saw it at home too. Your your parents they had devotions on a regular basis. At five o'clock every morning. In fact, if you ask Renee when she would spend the night over there, they would realize that that uh, her grandparents would meet at the breakfast table every single day at five o'clock for Bible study, and that went on even after my if my dad was in the hospital mom would call and they would still do That's that. Great. So we saw that consistency. That's great. And so, as you mentioned, you guys are very heavily involved in church and that just kind of became your life. When the church doors were open, you were there. Right. Uh, when I was 16, I became the, the music director at our church and it just continued over. When Robert and I got married, our work still yeah. continued very active. Yeah. So Robert, your husband, Robert, raise your hand over here. He was attending church. Yeah, give, give it up for the Robert. <laughs> You guys, <clears throat> you guys were in church together. You were in the same youth group together. Mm -hmm. So tell us about this budding relationship and the CA rallies. <laughs> Does anybody know what a CA rally was, do you think? Some know what a CA rally is. <laughs> we would uh, go to CA rallies, and it, it, it's what they called a youth rally. And you would have a meeting on Monday night, and we would uh, strive to win some kind of a plaque or a banner and whichever church had the most points accumulated, you got the plaque. Yeah. Well, if you, got, if you took musical instruments, that gave you points. If you drove the farthest distance, that gave you points. And I had an accordion that I would play, and Robert would carry it onto the bus, lag it on there, and we would go. But uh, Hey, ladies, watch those that want to carry your accordion, okay? <laughs> They're just not trying to be helpful. They got other things in mind down the road, so... Uh, that's great. So, so uh, really, throughout our life, it's been some type of, of ministry. Yeah, With yeah. our kids, they, they saw that, too. Yeah. With Ryan and Renee, so. Tell us about your journey to faith, because you can be raised in church and hear a lot about the gospel, but there's a point, even when you're a regular church attender, that that light bulb's got to go on for you. How did that happen for you? I remember thinking as a child that I was probably, like, grandfathered in because I had just been there all the time. Yeah. But I had gone to a kid's camp when I was 12, and I remember the moment that I realized I have to make this decision on my own. I can't right. go in on my parents, on my grandparents, and I can't go in with what I've been doing. I have to make that commitment. So when I was 12 at kid's camp is yeah. when I feel I, like that's I think that's an important moment. distinction that everyone needs to make. It doesn't matter how long you go to church. You don't get credits for church attendance that translate once you get to heaven. This is about accepting the person of Jesus on a personal basis, allowing his grace and his forgiveness to work in your heart. And I think that's an important distinction that everyone needs to remember. Now, we are not going to mention the time that you opened the door and Brent Jones was standing at the doorway for the very first time. We're going to 
fast forward past that moment in your life, okay? okay. Uh, but it was, you, I hate for you to because that was an amazing moment. Oh, don't tell him that. <laughs> don't tell him that. Uh, you chose to be an educator. You chose yes. to, uh, education is your vocation. Tell them when I was in why. fifth grade, I had a teacher that nobody ever wanted. She was the mean one, she was the strict one, and nobody ever wanted her. That year, she was so inspiring to me that I said, this is what God wants me to do. Yeah. Went through school knowing that's what I wanted to do. Went through North Texas State University, got a degree in music and education, and right before I was supposed to graduate, we had a little reception at my a supervising professor's house. And she asked me if she could see me in the bedroom. And I said, sure. So I went back there, and she told me that, I, that she knew that I would never make it as a school teacher, that I probably would get through my first year, and that would probably be it. Yeah. So I had to come to the realization, do I listen to her that's yeah. a professional or do I go on to do what I know God has called me to do? And tell them the end of the story. And so 42 years teaching third grade, yeah. I, yeah. I feel like I did the right thing. Yeah, you did. You did. If 42 years uh, teaching third graders doesn't get you into heaven by itself, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't. It doesn't. So... Uh, Donna, we can see you've, you've walked some, uh, some physical difficulties, some chronic physical challenges in your life. Can you tell us a little bit about what you uh, yes. face and kind of how that worked itself out in your life? I have uh, an autoimmune disease called myasthenia gravis, and it attacks your skeletal system and your muscular system. And so years ago, my grandbaby was about two, so I guess about 10 years ago, is when the symptoms really started the worst, but I was diagnosed about four years ago, and it just gradually got to where I can use the walker at home some, but anytime I'm going a distance, I have to use the scooter. And it's been a blessing. We've been to New York City. We go everywhere, and I taught eight years before I retired from the scooter. And it, it's just, it's been a challenge, yeah. but but doable. Yeah. And one, one thing that uh, it was hard for me because when I, was bound to this, it cut back on a lot of the things that I was able to do. Because you were very active in church. Because we were active in church. And if I want to go somewhere, I have to have Robert take me. Yeah. And I lost a lot of my independence, and so that was hard. Yeah. So, uh, Donna, I would ask you the same question. Worship team, you guys can come. Uh, people that are out there that have got some chronic health issues, they just kind of face day-to-day, -day. what would you kind of say to them to encourage them this morning? Something that I have to realize, and I came to realize when you were preaching the sermon about the man who was carried in and let through the ceiling. God is not concerned about your ability. He's concerned about your availability. And if you'll just make yourself known to God that he has that you are aware that you have drawbacks, but that you know he can go past those and use you. Yeah. If you just make yourself available, then God's going to find places. Since then, pastors found something for me to do. I've looked and found, if you want to work for God, no matter what your ability or disability is, you can still do that. Yeah, yeah. she sent me a message. said, hey, I, I, in my own level, in my own way, I need to get, I need to get more involved. What can I do? She's going to be our communications director for all of our missionaries. She's going to be sending cards, <clears throat> messages. A lot, a lot of our communication with our missionaries is uh, with finance and scheduling and those kind of things. And we didn't really have kind of a personal touch there. And Donna's going to do that for us. So, uh, Donna, I want to just say thank you. Uh, all of these, would you give them, would you say thanks to them for sharing their stories? So everybody's story is different. Everybody's story is different. It's unique. Uh, some some start, you know, uh, 
with, you know, kind of more traditional kind of family kind of stuff, and, and, and some don't. But it doesn't really matter because, <clears throat> especially in our church, there is one thing that ties us all together, um, is that we all have found hope and healing at the foot of the cross of Jesus. So it doesn't matter, like, if you came out of the most perfect family at all, or, man, maybe you kind of started like Chris. Man, things, the wheels came off from a very, very early age. You know, it doesn't matter because there's an opportunity for you, you know, at the foot of the cross to find, to find help and salvation. Whatever you're going through today, okay, the Lord can change that situation. He can change your heart. Whatever you're going through today, the Lord can grab your hand. And I just want to tell you, you're going to make it this morning. You're going to make it this morning. I want you to stand. We're going to just sing a song of worship in just a moment. And then we're just going to do some prayer. If, if you're struggling with anxiety and depression this morning, we're going to pray with you this morning. If you've got some physical challenges, we're going to pray with you this morning. If you've walked through or are going through a season of addictions and man, you don't know kind of what the next step is, we're going to pray for you. Maybe one of these stories resonated with you and maybe you're not where you should or should be with the Lord, uh, but uh, but you need to you need to take that step. So let, 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 me, let me just do this first. You just bow your heads across this building today. And you just go, Pastor, hey, would you just pray for me this morning? I'm, I'm not, not really where I should be with the Lord. I'm not, uh, uh, maybe I've kind of drifted, or maybe there's just been some things in my life that have kept me from the Lord. And maybe, maybe today's a day that I want to start that journey back to faith and back to Jesus. Doesn't mean everything's going to be worked out by the end of the service. It just means you want to start on that journey to faith. Maybe with everyone's uh, head bowed and eye closed, if that's you, just raise your hand up and down just really quick and just say, pray for me this morning. Pray for me this morning. Yeah, I see some hands there today. I want to, I want to just pray over you. I want to pray over you right now. So, Lord... Uh, there are people here that you are dealing with and that you care about. And Lord, uh, these stories up here can just be a testament and a testimony of, Lord, what you want to do in their life. And Lord, I pray, God, I pray over them today. I pray they will experience your love and your grace and your forgiveness. God, you are doing something wonderful in their heart. You're speaking to them, Lord. And I pray as they take that step, God, you're going to do something powerful in their lives. And I just give you thanks, Lord, that you're still saving and changing lives today. In Jesus' name, let's do it. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.